Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. We're going to be on episode number 20, and this one is going to be, I mean, like always, uh, incredibly interesting and special. Um, I have been talking um, for to this person for quite a long time, trying to arrange schedules, and I know it's the holidays and all that. So we finally got uh, together, and it's going to be none other than Lord Blackthorn. AKA Star Long. So I get to sit down with him one on one, and I feel like, and I hope you guys can, you know, comment and, and, and email me, message me, whatever you do, and let me know what you thought of the questions. But I, I really felt like I got some very interesting information about UO, but I really tried to hold, you know, really feet to the fire here on the trammel thing and and we kind of explored a little bit more behind the scenes and some of the roundtable discussions that were made because you know i really feel like that that's a real big thing that that people always talk about and they think it killed the game when you know the data tells us it did not believe it or not um even though perhaps in our hearts <laughs> you know it it, it um it, it ruined a lot of the experience for us but uh Please, guys, uh, sit back, relax, um, for, and, and also a huge happy holidays to everyone. We hit 5,000 plays on this podcast, and, you know, this is our 20th episode, and it's just me who does this, you know. I don't have a full production team or anything, so um, a huge thank you to everyone that is listening and your continued support. I sincerely appreciate it. I hope your holidays are great. The new year treats you guys uh, really well because we can only go up from 2020, right? <laughs> um, also, just a reminder, I do stream on Twitch. Um, I stream Ultima Online. You can find me on Mustache Gaming. You can find me on Twitter on Mustache Gaming as well. I will post all my social media links, and I will also post uh, Star Long's uh, you know, links that he wants to include in the notes as well. So please shout out to uh, Star Long for sitting down with me and uh, just having a great you know, old-school UO conversation. All right, guys, enjoy. All right, guys, I am here with Star Long, and uh, I am so excited uh, to be talking to you. So, Star, first of all, thank you very much for joining me. You are most welcome. Um, I want you're, – you're such a huge figure, I think, not only in UO, but kind of in the industry. Uh, I'm curious how you would – can you describe kind of who you are and kind of what you do to everyone? Sure. Uh my name is Star Long. I have been making games and working in technology for, oh my gosh, uh, 30 years now. And I got my start at Origin Systems in quality assurance, so testing games. And then my first game that I worked on in product development was Ultima Online, which is why we're here today. And since then, I've worked at a variety of places, uh, Disney, NCSoft, uh, most recently Portalarium. And currently, I work at a consulting firm called the Acceleration Agency. And we've got all sorts of clients, including uh, Disney, Universal, Carnival, Cruise Lines. Wow. Et cetera. Well, so you, you definitely sound like a very cool guy <laughs> based right. on your resume. Um, so 
the focus, of course, is going to be on UO now, and and I, I think I always date myself because I still call it OSI, you know, as the old school kind of origin. That that's what you know I refer to, you know, as. And what I really want to know, and, and I know I get questions like this all the time, and I think you're really best served to kind of help us here. I, I'm I'm curious if you could walk me through, and I think maybe if you take us on like a little bit of a you know a journey of your QA days. What was a typical day like for you? Like, what did you actually do? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, no, no. So first of all, hardly anyone ever asked me, uh, what was it like working in quality insurance? <laughs> yeah. It was really like, it, it's either like, how did you get your start? And then immediately like, let's go talk about uh, development. So thank right. you for asking that. So a day in the life of game testing. Well, uh, so... You were, so first of all, to frame this up, you're, you know, most people think of game testing and quality assurance as like, oh my God, you get to play games all day. Well, (laughs) uh, that would be awesome if that's what it was actually like, but you have to remember that these games were still in development. So you're playing them while they're very, very early on. So they're, they don't work yet most (laughs) of the time. So You know, best case, uh, so first of all, in the very early stages, you're lucky if it starts up at all. So so the first <laughs> thing you do is you get a version of the game. Now, you have to remember this is, you know, 30 years ago. So the, it's not like you downloaded anything. I mean, these are days of sneaker net. So yeah, yeah like I literally am getting physical media. So uh, we're like, you know, big floppy disks. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, so I go and get a stack of floppy disks from the developer and I bring them to my desk and I insert them in my computer, uh, you know, state of the art 286. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I start loading up the disks and, you know, to install the game and to get it running. And so then, you know, cue fast, you know, fast forward uh, maybe an hour plus later and I've got it all installed. And if it ran, uh, you know, so if I successfully installed it at all, uh, then right. if it ran, then I start a, a playthrough of the game. And, and you know, it's the, as I'm playing through the game, uh, as soon as I hit a bug or something breaks, uh, no, you know, write down exactly what happened, how, and how I got there. And then I try and reproduce that bug. Yeah. Okay. And that... And then you just repeat that over and over and you just try and get a little farther each time. And I gotcha. that, okay. that, that was kind of a typical day. Now for me though, I was kind of infamous because in addition to all the bugs I would write up, there was a class of, so when you're entering bugs, you, you can write up bugs, but you can also, uh, so like there's different kinds of bugs. There's a, like a, a bug that it's like uh, like critical, like it's a game breaker, like it it stops the game from progressing any further. Right. Um, and then there's like minor bugs. These are bugs like that are just like um, a visual issue, like this looks wrong. Uh, and then there are uh, then there are there was this whole class of things which I was really excited to find called suggestions. Okay. And I was like I was like what suggestions. Wait, I can make a suggestion. <laughs> right. 
which they immediately regretted that allowed <laughs> me to do that because because I soon became infamous because I would just say, oh well, you know the this jumping puzzle is broken in you know in Ultima Eight, but the real problem is the jumping puzzles shouldn't be that early on. It should be at the later in the dungeon, and and then I would go find the developer who who like worked on that level, and I would corner them and have this big discussion. I'm like like well, how did you get into game design, and like what do I need to do, and like but. And then like, well, how did you build your schedule? And have you read this this uh, management <laughs> book about like how you build schedules? And, and they're like, oh my God, who are you? And why are you in my office? Right, so you were that guy. <laughs> I was that guy. I was totally guy. And then finally they gave up and then gave me a job in product development. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so, and I, I find this, um, and there's a reason I asked you that because I'm coming off the heels of, I don't know if you remember this website. There's a website called AskChopper.com. No. Okay. So um, super interesting, but th this guy's name was Chopper, and he ran a website. It was called AskChopper.com, and what it did was it basically did what you did in QA, but on the flip side, it gave players bugs and exploits for UO, and Ooh. he categorized it just like you would do like a playthrough, but he sourced it from the people, right? And just said, hey, right. if you have a bug or an exploit, post it. And he was ahead of his time because he did it to where like you could only view private bugs if you submitted one, right? That was good and private mm -hmm. and no one else knew about it. Um, so I was that's why I was very curious, you know, how did that work? on your side because there were people actively doing it <laughs> on the other end. Right. Right. Okay. So how now that makes sense. I think for some of the Ultima now for UO, um, were you QA and UO or did you jump right into kind of, you know, higher role in there? Uh, well, so funny story there. So I was, uh, so I was in quality assurance and I had, you know, been quote like we were discussing i'd been that guy right uh, constantly bothering the developers and you know and <laughs> constantly saying there's got to be you know because again 30 years ago and you know it's ironic because you know we you you look at articles about like crunch time is killing the industry and you know <laughs> yeah. and, and, and i'm like wow nothing has changed yeah, uh, because it, that's really how we did it back then too. It's like we just did it by sheer force of will, and you know, and one of the things I kept saying is like, "There's got to be a better way to do this," and like we we should get more organized and da da da. And yeah, and they finally were like, "Well, put your money where your mouth is. Come over to development and work on the games." And I had worked, uh, so that kind of the last project I had worked on in uh, development was a game called Bioforge, and the guy who ran that project, this guy, Ken Demarest, um, he uh, and I had talked a lot about multiplayer games. And this was right around the time that Doom had come out. Oh, okay. We would, at lunch, as soon as, like, lunchtime came, we, you know, that's when we would get a break and we would, you know, get our food out and then we would play Deathmatch. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and I, and there was this sort of, like, epiphany moment when you know i always joke about like ultima ultima online wouldn't have happened without uh, a rocket to the face and <laughs> and there because you know we would start up our the match and you everyone would race for the rocket launcher yeah right the and best one in the game yeah 
Yeah, and if you would and if you would get to the rocket launcher, you would just sit. You would you would immediately spin around and like back yourself into a corner and wait for someone to come around. You know, the just one hit. Yeah, and you just blast them. <laughs> and and I I had this epiphany of like, oh my god, like play, playing with other live humans is so exciting and unpredictable and like. And then I remember, you know, remembered like, oh my God, this is what it was like, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons. And then right. someone, and and then, you know, then we were, then someone was like, well, haven't you, haven't you been playing MUDs? And I'm like, MUDs, what are those? And then they were like, yeah, they're like text-based dungeons. They're online, they're multiplayer. I'm like, online, like, and then it sort of opened up this whole world. And, and Ken Demarest was like, you know, yeah, you know, we've been talking forever about like making a multiplayer version of the Ultima games. And I'm like, yeah, why haven't we done that? And he's like, well, <laughs> there's all these reasons. And, you know, the, the, you know, playing over the internet is, you know, you know, got to do it over dial up. And, you know, oh, yeah. just never felt like the technology has been ready. And I'm like, well, but like, what about these mods? And I'm like, well, what about Air Warrior? And he's like, yeah, well, probably it's probably ready right now. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So, we started, you know, he and I, so at that, right around that same time, uh, Richard Garriott was starting up Ultima 9 and he said, hey, I need an associate producer on that. And I'm like, well, I'm your guy. And so we started working on Ultima 9. But what I was really passionate about was a multiplayer version of Ultima, right. which at the time we called Multima. <laughs> and and at, at the original idea was more like a party based literally a multiplayer version of ultima so it was going to be you and the companions right. so like uh you know the eight virtues or the eight companions so eight players um networked uh and then it just sort of and so that was the original pitch but i was my real job was supposed to be doing you know ultima nine <laughs> right. and and then it kind of picked up momentum from there because we, you know, we started looking at all of the things that were happening at the time. Again, this was 95. And so right around this time, uh, the first web pages were appearing, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and Air Warrior was happening. And so it was proving that there was this market for, you know, paid online games. And we're like, well, what if it was more than eight people? What if it was like, you know, more like MUDs, you know, where it was, or, or Air Warrior, where it was like as many people who want to play could play together. Yeah. And, you know, so then, but, you know, it's still, still at this point, we were thinking like, you know, what if it could be like 40 or 50, maybe a hundred people at a time? Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and so we came up with a pitch for, and we were still calling it Multima at this time. And we, we pitched it to Electronic Arts and they, uh, and then the, this is the, and we, they just were like, nah, we don't, you know, at the, and you gotta remember at the time, uh, the biggest online game was Air Warrior. I mean, and they had like 30,000 players. Yeah, that's right. That yeah. was considered a success. And so, and Electronic Arts, you know, 30,000 uh, customers that, I mean, that, that, that is nowhere close to anything that Electronic Arts or even Origin really would consider worth spending development dollars on. Right. Pursuing, yeah. 
Yeah. And so they were like, well, it just doesn't, the numbers aren't there. Like we, we, we can't, we, none of our business models show that that's worth putting money toward. And we're like, we think it, we, we, we don't agree. And so we kept pitching it and kept pitching it. And eventually they finally gave us the money to do a prototype. Larry Probst himself was like, okay, here's a hundred thousand dollars. Go do a prototype. And so right. the answer, that was a long answer to your question. So I, I was there at the beginning. I, I worked on the original, Ken Demarest and I worked on the original pitch. We, we hired uh, this programmer, this guy, Rick Delschmidt, who had worked in MUDs. We then immediately hired uh, Raf Koster and yeah. uh, uh, his wife. Um, uh, the, and then it ballooned from there. So I, I was there at the beginning. So. Like, I, right. I just, it's so hard for me to conceptualize, like, just, you know, your base idea that spawns into this just runaway, like, avalanche, right? Because you just want to keep going with it. Is that how it kind of worked, it sounds like? Yeah, well, we, so we took uh, the Ultima 5 graphics engine, and we had Rick build a back-end uh, server for it, uh, based on some of the work he had done in MUD, so that... Yeah. We could all log in and we did the, and we just built some basic functionality. So you couldn't, you couldn't chat with other people, but you could, and all you could do is you could pick up uh, an object. And then if you bumped into someone else, the object would fall out of them and you could pick it up. Okay. Uh, So you would have some basic interactions and we had, and we, then we got the entire company. Like we asked, we asked permission for the entire company to do a play test. Okay. And, uh, and we built this in like, I think two or three weeks. Wow. Uh, we put this together. Uh, maybe. Yeah. I think it was about two weeks. And, and then we got all got on like big giant conference calls and there were like 20 or 30 people on each like conference call. So, okay. we, could, so we could like yell at each other. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and people went nuts. They were like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Like, uh, and then, uh, and it just sort of took off from there. Uh, but still we were kind of like the misfit child because like we, everyone still wanted to work on like the mainline games, like, you know, the next wing commander or the next Ultima or, yeah. you know, the, we, the mainstream. Yeah. 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 Uh, because again, like you gotta remember, I mean, there were, there, this was, like at the time there were no MMOs. The, again, the biggest online game was air warrior still yeah. <laughs> Meridian 59 technically beat us by a few months, but it hadn't come out yet. So, I mean, there was literally nothing to compare this to. Yeah. Uh, uh, the realm I think was just coming out. Uh, but that was like a side scroller. Um, uh, so there was nothing to compare this to. And so, uh, but so we ended up hiring you know, mostly outside people. There were a few internal folks that from uh, origin that came to the team. Uh, but uh, yeah, and we ended up having to invent all sorts of stuff. Like, I mean, I mean, we were the first, uh, we were the first, one of the first games to have a subscription. We were one of the first games to have like the concept of game time. Right. Uh, we, you know, the, the like the first uh, place anywhere persistent housing. Um, well, I mean, you you bring up like just at the beginning. This is something just it's so stupid simple that 
I'm so surprised that, you know, I don't know why I didn't catch on was the chat, like literally chat appearing above your head. (laughs) You Uh, know, I I think uh, conceptually on paper, you know, okay, that's great. Right. But when you see it applied, it's so immersive compared to, you know, a box with text to me. Did you guys kind of go over that or was that like just a design decision that, you know, came up or? Uh, well, you know, it came out of, well, part of it was uh, inherent in coming from the original Ultima game engines, because yeah. that's how the, 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 the chat worked in, in some of those. But a lot of it was, you know, an intention, intentional for, uh, that was Raph, you know, uh, and Richard playing off of each other saying, you know, it wanting the text connected to the character and the belief that if it was in a, a text box it it separated it too much from the character right yeah and it's so funny because um uh, one of the shards i played on uh a little while ago there are people that are in this like it's called the you militia and they're old school from way back and you know they role play like hardcore and i remember yeah saying and i was like you know I, I don't really role play man and i remember someone telling me you realize you're playing a role-playing game right <laughs> yeah. you know because yeah. but you know what i'm talking about people can take it to like the next level where i still believe to this day if the, if the chat was in a box you know and it's it, it still holds true now if i play another mmo where you know the text is in a box it just it doesn't feel as immersive to me i don't know i mean it, what is your personal opinion do you agree with that or uh, well, I mean, I, of course I'm slightly prejudiced. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. You're not asking the, you know, so I don't think I can give a, a, uh, neutral opinion on this. Right. Subject. Uh, I do believe it, it offers a, a level of connectivity to the character that you, that having the chat in, uh, a separate window does yeah. not provide. So uh, well, I, I, I would agree with that statement, but again, I'm not neutral on it. Yeah. Well, and and it's funny too, you brought up the kind of the graphics, the art style. And, you know, I realize, you know, of course I'm inherently biased, but, you know, as someone who still plays the free shards today, I don't know. It's like the graphics to me just, I don't know if it's, you know, I've grown up with it. I don't know what it is, but I've never like looked at the graphics, even in 2020. I've never looked at them and just said, you know, this just feels so dated. I don't know what it is. You know, it just, it feels like timeless to me. Like uh, it's very difficult to describe. Have you heard that before? I assume. Uh, no. Uh, you know, um, but, uh, I've heard that I've heard the, the feedback that it feels very stylized. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, not timeless, but that's, that's good. I like, I like that it feels that way to you. Well, because, and I think, and this is, you know, another part of the conversation too, there are still, you know, I would say, I'm just going to use round numbers off of the free shard populations that I personally know of, right? I would say collectively, maybe there'd be four to 5,000 people, I'm just going to say overall, right? That still, you know, play and have extreme interest in it. And I know that they agree with it because, it's so and seeing what I guess, you know, the free shards and some of these other developers have done to what you guys have created to bring it to like 2020. 
it, it, it still blows my mind today how people are doing this, like, and, and a lot of it's out of passion, right? Rewriting yeah. code, create, I mean, it's absolutely wild that, you know, did you ever think, I guess, you know, fast forward to 2020 that there would still be such a cult following? Did you guys kind of think about that or no? No, I, no, not at all. I, I mean, the idea that there would be this many people still play, well, first of all, the idea that the game would still be being played this, <laughs> yeah. this, this far in the future and much less that there would be this many people playing it. I mean, no, I no idea. Um, uh, and, uh, but I, I've always been, but because of that experience where I've, I've been an incredibly strong advocate that once you create an online community that, you know, it's, it's a commitment, like, and right. that you, that you, that you can't take lightly and, and that you, there's a, you can't walk away from it and that the, um, that there's a, there's an, uh, an extreme heaviness to, uh, shutting down the service to one of these online communities. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, it's something that, you know, I've, I've I mean, quite, to be quite transparent, I, I've, I've come into conflict with other uh, organizations that I've worked with about that subject. And, right. you know, to the point of like, you know, make it available to the community or, you know, sell it to another service to operate or do anything other than shut it down. Yeah. Um, uh, because, uh, because I think Ultima Online proves that, you know, you, that it, Give if you let it run, it will run forever. Absolutely, people will, people will engage with. Uh, if you create a world, people will engage with it pretty much forever. Oh yeah, and you know the free shard. You know I, I play now. I mean, it celebrated seventeenth anniversary of being mm. online. That's, and a, that's I mean, and it was funny because I, I know, uh, you know, the owner pretty well. And, uh, you know, we were talking, I mean, and he has, you know, over time, he has hundreds of thousands of, you know, people that have signed up in that 17 year period that is just, I mean, you know, that's unheard of, right? With, I mean, literally, right? All he has is, you know, let's say email marketing, whatever, right? There's no traditional like <laughs> EA funded, you know, marketing and it just shows you to your point that, yeah, like if you let this go, people will take it and carry that torch. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. So now let me ask you this, because this is such an interesting question because in the free shard community, most of the people that own a shard or run a shard do not actually play, which I find very interesting. Did you ever play, you know, as you were, you know, one of the top dogs, you know, in UO, did you have a character that you just played, you know, without any GM power or whatever? Uh, not to be honest, not that much. Um, it, I mean, it was too much fun playing as Blackthorn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, true. I, I mean, yeah. So I had way, way, way too much fun being Blackthorn. And so <laughs> I, I, I honestly did not play much as a normal player, uh, you know, between like the 
the wrestling matches with uh, and all, all the crazy and all the story stuff we did with Blackthorn, right? And, like and busting people having broken into my castle and like I mean <laughs> I, like, I just I mean there was just you know. I, yeah, I just had too much fun being Blackthorn. So, did, did you feel like it was work or no? Uh, you mean playing Blackthorn? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the whole, you know what I'm saying. The whole experience, like, obviously you're working, but I mean, geez, you know, as as a player, we're like, what a dream gig, you know? <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, the working working on UO was definitely work, but when I was playing Blackthorn, that was not work. That yeah. was that was pure joy i mean that would i mean that whole cycle where that guy played hulk hogan and dressed like hulk hogan <laughs> and we had the wrestling matches i mean like and that just happened organically like we right. didn't plan any of that but once it happened we started supporting it and we i mean that that to me just was the ultimate expression of what if you created this sandbox what could happen in it and it, I mean, yeah, it was like, and it, it was really funny, uh, kind of watching Richard at first, uh, so wait, like maybe, maybe walk us through that for people that are listening that don't know, oh. could you maybe walk us through? Oh, that? sure. Sorry. I'm, I'm like, I'm like telling this, like everyone sort of like, knows what <laughs> right. I'm about. Sure. I'm like uh, okay. So, uh, I guess we were like, this was right after launch, just a few months after launch. Uh, okay. So this guy, um, so there, so there's like, you know, unarmed combat, right? There's a, like a skull skill, like right. wrestling skill, right? So this guy like had maxed out his wrestling skill and then decided to dress up like the wrestler Hulk Hogan, <laughs> yeah. uh, who, uh, I mean, again, 30 years ago, Hulk Hogan was still a big deal. Like yeah. now, but most people wouldn't. So, so youngsters go look up who Hulk Hogan is. Um, and so would like had the like the red shorts and the red bandana and like the <laughs> yeah. yellow facial hair and would like shout out all of, you know, Hulk Hogan's catchphrases and then would challenge people to wrestling matches. Like would just <laughs> go out, go into town and then challenge people. And then he called... And, and this escalated <clears throat> and he'd purposely pick, I mean, it started where he would just challenge randomly people, but then right. he would like, he started challenging like famous guild leaders and things like that. So where it escalated, where he called me out, <laughs> well, I mean me, not star. Black yeah. So, and at first we were like, aha. Yeah. As if we would like, as if I would like entertain that. Yeah. yeah. And then we're like, then we were like, well, well why the hell not? Right. Um, and and by the way, he would also make little comics of his adventures. Um, oh, okay. Oh, by the way, there was this other awesome uh, 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 Platehead and Bone Dude was another famous comic around the same time. Um, and so he, this was in the same vein as this. And so we decided we were going to participate in this. And so we, there was a, and there was actually a whole series of these where we and we broadcast and let the whole community know that there was going to be a big wrestling match between Blackthorn <laughs> and Hulk Hogan. Right. Oh, actually, it was called the Hulkster because we okay. didn't want to. We didn't want to invoke. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so we didn't want to invoke any trademark violation. So he called himself <laughs> the Hulkster. Okay. I mean, he literally. I mean, 
he, you know, he, he looked just like Holcomb. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and we had, and we, and we had rehearsed, we rehearsed it. Like we, we had, like we emailed each other back and forth to figure out what our script would be. Like wow. just like rest with wrestling. Like we had, we had a whole series of beats, like where we, we would like shout out to each other. Like, I'm so going to smash you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was just, Oh my God. It was so good. It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, but there, 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 I'm sure there's uh there's articles uh, somewhere on the internet about the Hulkster versus Blackthorn. Uh, okay. So you got to tell me who won. How did that end up? Uh, well, I think there was a series of matches and I think, I, I think he won the, the first one. And then I think I won the second one. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's really funny. Yeah. I'm a, he, and it was funny. I think a lot of you players are wrestling fans. I don't know, but um, I'm a huge wrestling fan. So that's definitely up my alley. That, that's Oh hilarious. yeah. So you got to look that up. You got to look up the Hulkster versus Blackthorn. Yeah. Cause I remember like, I'm a newbie comics. Oh he yeah. Was kind of the famous one. Yeah. Yeah. And then Platehead and Bone Dude and then the Hulkster. So those were the, those were three comics. Yeah. I'll like. definitely have to look that up. Okay. So yeah. thank you for that side story. That was really funny. Sure. So, Okay. In in your mind, um, besides Blackthorn, you know, is there a character type that you would probably naturally gravitate towards? Like, would you more be a crafter, uh, you know, PvP or what? Um, I love crafting. I I I I I always obsess over crafting systems in any game. Like, wow, okay, min maxing crafting, like just like overweighting myself with crafting materials like <laughs> obsessing over like one point extra of damage or one percentage not even one point one percentage point extra i can do of what one you know yeah or a, a decimal point percent of critical chance that i'll do like yeah, I, I'm 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 a total crafting nerd. Like, just it's, craft, it's craft, really craft. funny because I remember I brought a buddy uh, to one of the free shards, and you know we start getting ready to play, and he's like, "Man, I just I can't wait to get my pickaxe and just start hitting the mountains." And I'm like, I kind of laughed it off. I'm like, "Are you serious?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that for like weeks." <laughs> like, well, okay, let me qualify that. I'm not a huge gatherer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that but i love i love make crafting so got it okay if i could skip the gathering part although i mean some games i i don't mind it as much depending on how uh how much time it takes but i love i love the actual crafting part of it the making stuff yeah and that's super interesting because yeah that's something that i just never i never got into it i i didn't you know i always you know just bought or, or looted whatever you know i needed along the way but yeah i never got into the crafting system and now you know in some of these you know in 2020 now some of the free shards i mean the crafting systems are like it, it's wild how far because i mean you got to think right it's been so long you have to continuously add stuff right for people to you know sink their teeth into um, yeah but okay so you're, you're more of the crafting that's very interesting okay so as you know, UO is progressing. Did you kind of realize like how much of an impact UO was going to be? Because again, you were one of one, you know, let's say, right? Um, I don't think we 
I don't think we understood how much it was going to change things. Yeah. No. Like, uh, I, I mean, I, I think we knew we were doing a lot of inventing. I mean, I think we were that we knew that, hey, a lot of this didn't exist before we did it. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, you know, like, uh, and I, I think we knew a lot of things were happening for the first time once we launched, you know, but I don't, and we certainly didn't understand at the time where it was going to lead. Like yeah. the scale of things like World of Warcraft and then Lineage and then Guild Wars and then, you know, everything that's come since. And then, and and now when you get into like Fortnite, I mean, there's the scale of right. what, <laughs> what, what online games have become like, it's, we had no idea. I mean, again, you know, we, it was a really, really, really big deal when we broke 100,000 players, oh, yeah. 200,000 and then 300,000. I mean, that was like, people were like, oh my God, like that many people. And now it's, you know, we're, we're you know, it's tens of millions of people playing, you know. Now, did that add a lot of complexity to, cause, and you can kind of walk us through this too, like maybe what your daily life was like, you know, as UO is now exploding, because I can, you know, I, I can tell you this, I'm not a shard owner, but some of the design decisions, with, let's just scale it down to like 2000 people playing are huge. The impact it can make, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, again, remember the original plan was like an eight, player multiplayer <laughs> right. uh, and then it was well let's just design a game for you know 50 uh to 100 people uh at a time and so and then it became well no it we need to have like about 2000 people on a, uh, a server at a time you know? <laughs> and so uh yeah it it, it was it, i mean it was a nightmare uh, you know, I mean, it, we, we, well, and then it was, we, it was a lot of fun things of like, well, this sound designing a lot of things in theory and we'll even play testing them internally and then putting them in front of players and then players just destroying them. Instantly. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, so it, well, both from a game balance and just from a technological standpoint, I mean, yeah, it, you know, it, it, Again, because we were sort of, we, I mean, we were just inventing everything from scratch. I mean, there were, you know, it, there's no there guidebook. Were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was no Unity. There were, there, there was no, I mean, there were no game engines. There was no back end systems that you could tie into. There was no, I mean, there were, there was no, there was no such thing as Amazon Web Services. Right. I mean, yeah. There, there was, there weren't even co location facilities that you could go rent rack space from yeah. i mean people don't understand that the idea that you can go rent server space just that that doesn't that didn't exist right like, if we wanted servers in physical locations in different places we had to literally go build those server spaces. <laughs> yeah we had to go rent space 
like rent a physical room. Right. Yeah. And build out the server racks. Yeah. And, 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 pay, and pay for the connectivity. Like that, like wherever, what, like wherever we wanted to go. Um, and and I, th- I think for everyone listening to that is called like boots on the ground scaling. That's how it worked back then. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, that was the only way to do it. I mean, yeah. there, there, were, there were no, there, were, there was nobody you could go and rent servers from or, yeah. uh, or much less virtualized like it is with Amazon web services. And so, yeah. uh, that was, that was crazy. I mean, like the, and the speed that we had to do it because again, like our, our, and the speed we had to do it too, like the original sales projection again. Okay. Going back to the beginning of the conversation, uh, air warrior 30,000. Yeah. Right? So EA's sales projections for us were 50,000. <laughs> well, we, we had 50,000 people in our beta test. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden everyone was like, Oh shit. This we, is it. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we better get servers put up everywhere. And like, uh, and Mark Rizzo, who was our, uh, server, you know, server infrastructure guy was like, um, how are you going to do that? <laughs> right. like, that means we literally have to like, you know, I have to fly to the East coast. I have to fly to the West coast. I, you have to like buy me machines and to I take to there. Yeah. There. And then you have to fly me to Europe because guess what? There's a lot of people in Europe want to play. And then you have to fly me to Japan because we have a huge audience in Japan. Wow. Uh, like, uh, like that was another crazy, like a third of our initial audience was in Japan. Really? That's super yeah. interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like we, we had a huge, huge, uh, Japanese player audience. Yeah. I went at launch. Like, uh, I think there was like, uh, uh, I think there were like 50,000 players in just in Japan. Wow. Now when, and you know, by the way, I'm a server admin by trade, so this is going to be very specific, but when he went to roll out these kind of, you know, server deployments, was he like pretty much the only guy that knew how to do this? I assume. Uh, he had two other, we, we had two other server Okay, gotcha. It was like a team of three. Um, yeah, they would. Uh, they took over our uh, our meeting slash caf, uh, cafeteria space down on the bottom floor. Uh, was our server deployment room? <laughs> yeah, uh, and we just like they just we would just buy hardware and they would go you know configure it, stage it, and then ship, and then and then literally just you know put it on a truck or a plane from there and then meet it. Now, how did you guys hand, and I'm sorry, I'm getting the weeds here, but I find this very interesting. How did you all handle like the maintenance? Like, did you have a company that would come out if a server had an issue or whatever at these other sites or what? Yeah, we would, that is one thing that did exist back then is you could hire services that would come and like do things like reboot the machine or swap RAM, whatever. Yeah. 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 Or, or like take this image like, well, image. Uh, I, I'm using a modern term, but literally <laughs> take, this, take this disc and right. insert it in the drive. And um, how did you got now, like in Japan, did you have to work with like the Japanese government in order to deploy something like that there? Or how did that work? Uh, so Electronic Arts had an office in Japan. Ah. Uh, and so we worked through the, the Japanese office for all those deploys, but we had, but Mark Rizzo flew to Japan for that deploy too. That's um, wild because I yeah. I talked to a, a guy. Um, this was I think it was back in August. I don't know, but 
he, he's an American living in China and there is actually a huge like underground scene for UO because it's not, you know, technically allowed in China, but there are many people that love UO. And, and that's super interesting. You said about, you know, the Japanese really liked it too. So that's actually a, a very unknown fact that I had no idea about. Did you expect, I guess, that from, let's say, Japan? or, or uh, We did, because Japan, Japan and Ultima had uh, a long history. Um, so uh, Japan was always a huge market for Ultima. So we expected that. Um, what we didn't expect was uh, there was also uh, not as big as Japan, but korea was uh south korea was also a huge market for us yeah um but interestingly uh the pvp between uh the koreans and the japanese was intense like you know it's funny it's funny you say that because on the shirt i play on now is called hybrid it's this one that's been around forever we there's a few korean players and let me tell you i mean these guys are no holds barred <laughs> you know some of the most insane tactics i've ever seen have, have come from these players like it's and i can i guess i'm trying to fathom <laughs> having you know let's say twenty thousand of these hardcore players playing you know i guess i feel bad for you because <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah well i mean it, what's interesting too is that when, when uh later i ended up working uh uh for NCSoft, yeah, and uh, they made Lineage, and and Lineage was built on and inspired by Ultima Online. Right, those, yeah. Those guys who founded that company were like, we made this company so we could make the Korean version of Ultima Online. Wow. Like, and so that's what their Lineage was there. Like, oh, Korea should have a version of this. And of course, then Lineage, you know, ended up having millions of players, and and before WoW was the like the biggest online game on the planet. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Now, okay, I'm going to switch gears um, back into PvP land because that's, okay. where, that's where I live and breathe. I still PvP to this day. Um, right. I love it. Um, now, how did – okay, so conceptually, you know, we start up UO. Obviously, there's combat, you know, to begin with. How did you guys – and this is maybe more of a game, you know, design kind of thought process. How did you, like – think of pvp and how did you know how did you adapt to it over time how did that work so we you know our original design was to model it very much like you know medieval early medieval europe where the towns were safe areas but if you wandered outside of the towns it, you know there were there might be highwaymen right yeah and and the idea, and and we also very much subscribe to the you know the Bartles for idea that a healthy community needs all player types, and and those of listeners who are not familiar with the Bartles for is that they're basically four player personality types. And not necessarily that everyone falls 100% into these four types. In fact, most people are kind of a mix of these, but in general, people gravitate more to one of these four types than the other. So there's uh, achievers, uh, there's explorers, there's socializers, and then there's killers. <laughs> yeah. And 
And the idea is that a healthy community has some representation of all four and they kind of are all, uh, you know, synergistic with each other because the, the socializers talk about the things that the achievers and the explorers and the killers do. Right. The explorers go around exploring the world you make. The achievers are looking to be the best at any given thing. And the killers go around making trouble. Yeah. (laughs) But, But the achievers want to do, to make, you know, be better at the fighting than the killers, maybe. Uh, and the explorers w- want to have some challenge and, and the explorers and the achievers want to have some challenge in what they're doing. So the killers can often provide some of that challenge and socializers just like to talk about all that stuff that's happened, especially if there's conflict because conflict right. is interesting. Yeah. So that led to most of our decisions is that, you know, we felt like the Bartles four was important and it had been proven out in muds over and over. Um, and so, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why we designed it that way. And then, and, and we, and we just felt like it would be an interesting mechanic. Now, it turns out that trying to, uh, staying ahead of the exploits was always a challenge. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And that, that was really the main issue. Um, and, uh, there, there was a large segment of the audience who was turned off by some of the more antisocial behavior of the killers. Yeah. Sure. The griefing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of like, okay, so, so you killed me like five times in a row. That's good. Can you stop now? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's no. it. Move on. Well, no, I can't stop because I'm a killer. That's that's like that's in my nature. I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Now, so, did, did you all yeah. like ever? You know, because and this is almost a modern day games. Like every single game I've seen since UO has struggled with this exact thing, and they always fold and go back to we can't have any griefing, right? Whereas me growing up in UO. It was just a, it was a hardcore existence, but you know, the satisfaction, right. Of leveling up, being strong enough to now venture out of my own. It's, it's a feeling very, that that's hard to describe, I guess, to people. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. The, the, the feeling of being over able to overcome that challenge and, and the feeling of accomplishment and the thrill, like the, 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 the visceral thrill that's associated with those activities and, and the stories that people tell from, yeah. those, from those experiences uh, are, I, again, it goes back to the, like the, 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 those, those four personalities. You can, you can't replicate that, you know? Um, right. It's yeah. Hard to talk of like, Oh my God, like I barely escaped or, Oh, I finally beat that guy who was giving me so much trouble. I mean, those are, really amazing experiences. And so, I mean, I think the Holy grail that everyone continues to chase is, is there a way to balance those experiences? Like, can you create that thrill while still 
being able to figure out a way to manage the grieving. Yeah, because I mean, you know, and I've talked about this with other people countless times. It's like, you know, we all chase the UO dragon where there is a segment of us and I feel and I can't say it's everyone, but there's a segment of us that I will play a very hardcore sandbox all day because I know what I'm getting into, but I am totally willing to get involved because that risk first reward is just it's so sweet <laughs> that yeah. once you get a taste of it, man, I can't have anything else. That that's that's the the, the crux of it. Now, I'm going to go into, of course, a topic that you know I think is, is a huge one: the the trammel right topic. Um, yeah. I wanted to, and I really want to, you know, you to kind of. Because I think Gary had explained to me more of the business side of, of it, right? But I think with you, I, I would like to maybe go more into the behind the scenes. What, you know, how did that all come about? Because obviously there's a growing red versus blue versus RP or kind of war, right? That's, that's, that's raging and bubbling up. Can you kind of walk us through how did that even come up or, you know, how, how did this work? Uh, well, just to be... So happy to talk about, uh, you know, that decision to, you know, uh, Feluca versus Trammel and, yeah. and what led up to that. Uh, and, but to be transparent, I, you know, I w at that point I was working on Ultima Online 2. So I was not directly involved in that decision. So, sure. Yeah. Uh, but um, I, I was involved in the discussions and so I, I am fully aware of what was going on at the time. Okay. So, um, uh, the the so what was happening was there was a a growing uh amount of so there there's this balance of like how much revenue is coming in and and also how much we can spend on development and the and I know that we you wanted to focus on the back end but yeah they're, yeah they're directly related yeah. and so the the reality was that there was a bunch of stuff we wanted to do with the game that as far as features and content and updates and adding new things. And we couldn't because the, the revenue just wasn't coming in. And one of the things that we found from asking players and not all of them, but right. more the, more versus less, more players gave us feedback that one of the things that kept them from resubscribing or maintaining their subscription was uh, the the fact that they didn't have a safe place to play. Okay. And so now there were, at that point, the decision became, well, how can we solve that? Right, and then yeah. a bunch of things got thrown on the table. There were things that could be done uh, relatively quickly, and things that could be done more that were more complex and would take more time. Yeah. Now, the things that were more complex and would take more time would have been a more balanced approach that would have tried to address some of the. Uh, ways that people would grieve that would be that would have that would have not split the world that would have kept 
more to the original design and would have tried to address some of the failures of the simulation, I would say. Right. Yeah. Um, but that would have been taken more time and would have been more expensive. Okay. And, and but it would have kept truer to the nature of the game. What but, were some of those ideas? Like just, I mean, are you able to share? I mean, you don't have to go into a tangent, but is there any like base ones that, you know, we could kind of hear? Well, or? I mean, ironically, I think some of them ended up getting implemented over time. Okay. And, but, but I mean, they, I mean, they were just, you know, things like cooldowns on how many times you could kill a person. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, there were, there were, you know, uh, improvements to the way the reputation systems worked, um, the way, you know, uh, improvements to the way fashions worked, um, you know, it, it, it was just a, it wouldn't have, the, the, the problem with it, that's that path was it wasn't just one thing. Right. It would have taken like 10 to 20 different things all working together to make it work. And I want to be very clear why I'm asking you these yeah, yeah. very specific questions is I know when Trammel gets brought up, there's a very huge like knee jerk reaction to this, you know, horrible decision. They killed UO and that's it. Right. When it's, <laughs> it's way more complex than that. And the reason yeah. I'm asking you that is, you know, this was a very long drawn out decision-making process that you guys had to make a decision. That's why I'm, I'm kind of going in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, this was, this was internal discussions that took like three months. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then, the other path was that we could implement quickly, quote unquote, and quickly. I mean, there was no quickly. In <laughs> yeah. One, one would take us six months and at that time we would run out of money and shut the thing down. Yeah. And the other one we could get done in a few months and which was to like, let's just make a safe mirror. Yeah. Right? And, and that, that will, that will get us to where we need to be. Um, and it will solve the problem. It won't require 20 different steps. It's a, you know, it, it is a single step. I mean, it's more complicated than that, obviously. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not a control C and control V. <laughs> but it, it was a, it's a simpler, cleaner, easier to understand and therefore easier to implement solution. Yeah. Uh, uh and, no, no one was particularly super happy with it, but everyone was like, ah, you know, that would work and, and, and that will get us and we won't run out of money before we can implement. Well, I think you, you bring up a very, um, I'm glad you, you, you brought some of the business side up because I'm hoping to, for everyone that's listening, you know, this is something I've, I've discovered that it's more than a, a business decision. It was a, to me, from what you're describing, it's a life or death. If we don't choose this path, we will run out of money and there's no UO period. Right. Yeah. 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 And that, and that I think is, is very important for people to understand because I know I'm, I'm not a fan of Trammel. There's a lot of people that are not, but I would say, and you're probably going to answer this. I think Trammel did, you know, I would say stop the bleeding. Right. Well, it did more than that. I mean, the, the post that the, that was the higher highest sub numbers that the game ever had. Wow. I, mean, I didn't know that. Okay. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it didn't just stop 
loss, I mean, the, the revenue numbers went steadily up for the, the rest of that year. I mean, and, wow. and highest numbers that the game ever had. Well, because also at the same time was uh, a committed effort to reduce the number of defects. So yeah. fix bugs. So right. at the same time, there was a very, very strong effort to fix bugs. And so the, those two combined uh, resulted in the highest subscription numbers that the game ever had or since. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it, you, people can argue that they don't like it, but the game did better after. Yeah, no, I think it's such an interesting, um, perhaps just a design theory, you know, thing to talk about because, you know, I didn't see, you know, now that we really talk about this and hash out <laughs> what are the options on the table, you know, that really did seem to be the best one. And I know personally, I played up until Age of Shadows is when I when I stopped, you know, when I was younger. But, you know, I just remember I was always in Feluca because it was just, you know, it was the hardcore existence of what, you know, I liked. Um, but no, thank you for uh, sure. kind of answering that hard question, because I think a lot of people, I think, are a little bit afraid to ask, <laughs> you know, hey, why did yeah. you do this? Right. Like, because yeah. you do. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I guess for me as, as a huge PVP or there, there's just nothing that I guess does it for me because the fact that I could be, you know, on a horse with a halberd killing another live human being. <laughs> it's yeah. just, I don't know, man. It, it, like I said, it's a gift and a curse. I, I can't get away from it. I mean, it, it's, it's wild. Um, so, okay. This is another, uh, topic i really wanted to touch on too um in the beginning and you can answer this just overall um i'm a huge personal fan of the orcs in general um you know in in uo and, and now they're on the free shards um did you have any interaction or you know game building of the orc fort or any knowledge of the orcs at all uh so <laughs> You mean the players role-playing? Yes. Board? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, yeah, we totally knew about the, so, you know, we had the Orc Fort and then there was the, we had the mask and then, uh, I mean, we didn't know about it at first, but then we, you know, when we, when we found out about it and like <laughs> them putting on the mask and then speaking Orcish and like, <laughs> yeah, and not breaking character, like they oh, were yeah. not, they would never speak English. They would only speak Orcish and like, it would just, yeah. No, I'm also a huge, huge fan of that whole. Uh, so, so again, I guess we should tell listeners if they're not aware. So there's a, there's an orc fort in the game, uh, uh, North of Britain. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with, with actual orc NPCs in it, but there's and in the game, there's, there's also an orc mask. So you can put on an orc mask and then your, your face looks like you're an orc. And, <laughs> yeah. But that's about it. Right. So there's no, you can't, you can't pick the orc race. Right. Yeah. Um, but with just those two items in the game, like, so there's a physical location in the game. That's a quote unquote orc, orc fort with orc NPCs in it and an orc mask players decided okay well you're not gonna let us pick orc race but we're gonna be an orc race anyway 
<laughs> yeah. And they would they took over the orc fort by you know clearing out the orc npc <laughs> and then they would be the orc tribe in the orc fort so you, if you would go as a as a regular player if you go to the orc fort looking to kill orcs there's a good chance that the orcs in the orc fort wouldn't be the orc npcs but rather orc players pretending to be orc npcs Speaking oh yeah of orcs, yes yeah. i um and I'm have to, I'll send you this after. It's really funny, but um, there's a there's a private shard called Outlands, and that's where the orcs are right now. And uh, I I kind of became very accustomed to the orc fort. Talking to them, we did. I mean, like we had a scenario where I I finally met the leader. Uh, I think it's rules his name, and I brought like poison cheese, and I you know I <laughs> we had this like uh, elaborate you know party celebration and. I went to give him the cheese because I'm like, all right, he's definitely going to eat it. And one of his <laughs> underlings had like a taste tester, which I didn't expect. And oh, he, nice. en he ends up eating the cheese and the gig is up, right? It's okay. We've been poisoned. And then an epic battle ensued. But like seeing them never break character is like, it's insane, you know? And, and they have an actual like, or there's an orc discord now. And man, they have like a whole rules of engagement, what weapons can you use? You know, like the language. And I'm like, wow, it, it, it's, I don't know. It, it, I've never seen any RPing like that ever in a game before. Yeah, it, it, it's it's incredible. Like their commitment and, and yeah, I, I've never seen them break either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Well, and I heard, um, and because I am good friends with a lot of them, they're, they're really good guys. and. What I heard was back in the OSI days, they were much more hardcore to where he was telling me like, he's, you know, so if an orc kills you, for everyone listening, you get clomped. It's called cl like a, you get clomped, right? And he said back in the day, like OSI days, he's like higher ranked orcs would just clomp or kill you just for no reason, just because they're, you know, they just felt like it. Or if you broke character, you'd be clomped. Nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, you know, did you, I guess, in in your time, you know, with UO, did you kind of watch them kind of grow and they're, you know, something like that? Did you, I guess, expect that or that was just something organic, right? No, we, I mean, again, well, I mean, it's kind of a testament, again, to the sort of, you, you provide a sandbox or a level of simulation and uh, you see what players do with it. I mean, yeah. it, 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 but, I mean, we didn't expect that specific thing. We, I mean, we expected... Things like, I mean, the goal with anything like this is you, you want to give players the ability to tell their own stories, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, as as a creator, like our our job with uh, an MMO is not really to tell stories; it's to give players the ability to tell their own stories. Yeah. And and so, in an example like the Oryx, it's like. Great, we we did our job. We gave you the ability to tell your own stories, and and that that to me is the highest level of compliment that anyone could give any of us who worked on making that game is something like that. Oh yeah, I uh, they are just some of the most ruthless but funny, you know, like guys I, I've ever encountered, and I just I love and again. I'm not a huge RPer, but they definitely brought it out in me um, because, 
you know, I had, I had to learn some workish. I didn't know what the hell they were saying. <laughs> sure. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, really, really cool guys. I'm glad you kind of, you know, share that experience. Cause yeah, the orcs are definitely good people. So, okay. Um, we're going to move into, um, uh, kind of, you know, where you, you've been working and kind of stuff you've been doing. I always get a ton of people that, um, you know, want to talk about shroud and the way I found to kind of tie this in is, you know, on, since you, you know, worked, I would say in, in a large capacity with shroud, are there similarities that you ran into with, let's just say development of shroud that you can kind of compare to UO? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, with both, both of them, I, I wanted going back to the point I was just making, you know, the, the, you know, one of our big goals with shroud was also to make a sandbox where players could tell their own stories. Right. And yeah. to have, you know, to have this, you know, a place where, you know, to the point where not just have player housing, but have entire towns that players could build out and customize and own and do what they want with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, lots of similarities. I mean, it, 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 and really, we wanted to make a, you know, Ultima online, but with modern technology. Right. Really. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. You know, if we had, if we could have gotten the license from electronic arts or the permission to use the license, we would have called it Ultima online, honestly. I mean, wow. that's, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, uh, or Ultima something. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's got tons of similarities. I mean, it's, it's meant to be a big giant sandbox. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. We've got, go ahead. And what I was going to say too, cause this, this ties into shroud and UO and I forgot to mention this earlier, but the housing, it's yeah. something that again, I feel like it, it it's, it baffles me why this hasn't been done like UO did it. And, you know, I'll say Shroud does it too. But like to me, because if I walk into a house and I see a loading screen, it's meaningless to me. <laughs> but like in UO, like I have an actual house that's persistent in the world. I'm like, this should be like, this is it. This should carry on through every MMO <laughs> should have this design. You know, did you, did, I guess, what are your thoughts around housing? Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and that's with Shroud, that's how we designed it as well. Like none of the you don't go through any loading screens to go into any building, including right. player housing. So it's all contiguous with the space you're in. And same with like uh and so and also that that extends with all the like things you put down for the player housing, like all the decorations and like so we player yeah. basically free form. The only difference between the two is we pre-define uh, the lots in the shared spaces, but in the player towns, even that player town owners have the ability to define where the lots go. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's basically the same housing system as UO, but just in 3D. Yeah, because so basically it, total freeform. Yeah, for sure. No, and it just. <laughs> And I, and I guess it's hard, and I know my listeners, uh, whoever listens knows what I'm talking about, but like to, to and I'm going to go back to UO, but like, you know, even in the free shards, there's the IDOX, the Endanger of Collapsing Houses. And man, just, <laughs> I feel like that system was so ahead of its time that it still baffles me that, you know, 
it existed because I wouldn't have thought of that, you know, kind of thing. But I know in the free shot world, that's like epic PvP, epic battles fighting for loot. Did you, do you remember like when y'all like designed that mechanic, like when a house fell or whatever? Uh, yeah, well, part of it was this idea that there was a finite amount of land, right? That <laughs> yeah. It, like we, we really didn't want to have an infinite amount that it was very, well, it, it went back to the idea that we wanted player housing to be part of the game space itself and not some separate thing. Yeah. Um, and so to do that required that there be, uh, a time that it existed and if it was idle, it would go away. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that we, now we didn't anticipate all of the, uh, sort of resultant gameplay that would surround <laughs> that. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't anticipate any of that. Uh, but we have a, you know, we have the same kind of system in shroud. Like if you're, if you're idle and you leave, you know, your house is, not kept up it it also collapses everything now the one big difference is i think uh in our in shroud everything goes to your bank okay uh, uh so you don't get to like fight over someone's house and all their stuff in it right. um uh but it's a it's a similar like the space all land frees up and then you can put your house where their house so but we do see some of the similar things of like someone shows you know six months after like later and they haven't played in a while, they show up and they're like, I don't remember my, you know, this being my house. <laughs> it's not the same. And it's like, yeah, cause it's not your. <laughs> yeah. Now do you, um, in, you know, in UO capacity, did you ever take like the GM requests or pages that came through? Did you ever were involved in that? Uh, I, I did not. Um, uh, I know, uh, Richard did, uh, uh, Richard spent a lot of time in the GMQ. Um, yeah, I, I, I did, I, to be honest, I did not have the patience for that. Um, uh, especially because I had started out in QA slash customer service. So uh, you know, once I, once I, you know, had moved on to product development, I was like, I'm not going to go back to that. Um, right. Uh, the only sort of similar thing I would do is I would, uh, I would often sort of uh, pop into uh, Blackthorn's uh, castle and see who had broken into there because my because my castle was supposed to be locked. Yeah, but people would constantly figure out how to break in, <laughs> uh, uh, and so I would. I, my, one of my favorite things to do was to like pop in there periodically and bust people uh, who had like broken in and like were having parties. Um, How would they react? Uh, uh, it was awesome. Like, because I would act like really angry, you know, I'd, like, <laughs> thing, like, "How dare you have broken into my home?" <laughs> you know, don't you know who I am? And I'd like freeze them in place or turn them into a chicken. Oh and my I would god! Turn for a little while, uh, and then I would be like, you know, and then I would like, then I would be like, ah, you know, it's all right. I'm, you know. I don't, I don't really care. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, about, I'm about chaos after all, you know, right. you, you enjoyed my home. And then I would, and then I would kick them out and I'd be like, and then, and so I would, I would go back, I would, I would go back and, uh, the, I, I would go. So, so basically I would start off really angry 
I would torture <laughs> them a little bit, then I'd free them and we would hang out a little bit and party. And then I would go back to being really angry and kick them out. So, <laughs> so uh, I'd act like two chaos. So. Yeah. And do you own the rights to the name or no? No, no, not Blackthorn. Blackthorn was an Ultima character before, even uh, before okay. I started at uh, Origin. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, because I know some of the, gosh, just the in-game interactions, just, it, it was so endless. And I think, too, that's why not only do I like, you know, the PvP aspect, but I just, I have no idea what's going to happen. You know, like, every time I log in. Like just you you never know, um, yeah. and I think I you know I know I do and a ton of other people love it that you all did not throw us on rails and just say hey you know go kill you know ten chickens come back and over and over like you just literally threw everyone into a world and said go you know uh, just you know thank you truly for that. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Um, okay. So do you remember any, and this is kind of just a fun one. Do you remember any funny instances, you know, like either, you know, secondhand, someone told you of someone either getting revenge on someone or, you know, an epic griefing or something that was just out of the box or something like that? Uh, well, my, my favorite, uh, griefing story are the, are the bank robbers that, that use the gate before we close that loophole. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so, and so basically the way it worked is, uh, so it used to be when you would cast uh, a gate spell, um, there was no confirmation when you walked through it. Right. So you could cast a gate and then when, if someone walked through it, they would get teleported to wherever it went and you didn't have to say, yes, I want to go through the gate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, and, and with the way the game worked, you know, with the, the, you know, the sort of dollhouse effect of, uh, the roofs popping off when you got near them, there was, there's the, there's this sort of split second where you don't quite yet see the inside of the building. Yeah. When you're walking into it. Right. And so what these clever robbers had done uh, or would do would, what was they would put a gate right inside the doorway of the bank. <laughs> and so um, players would uh, run into, so that, you know, you, you'd go out, you'd go out into, you know, uh, the world and you'd load yourself up with whatever, like you'd go mining and like, yeah. Or, or or you'd go adventuring and you'd be full of loot, whatever. You'd be full of stuff and you'd be running back to the bank as quickly as you could to be to unload all your stuff. So, but you'd be full of valuable stuff. That's the important thing. <laughs> yeah. And you'd think you're safe because you're back in town, right? Right. And and you're in the safest place in town, right? The bank. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're safe. So. You run in, you run through the doorway of the bank, and the next thing you see is a pile of naked bodies. <laughs> yeah. And and then the next thing is you're dead. Right. Because there's a gang around you who, <laughs> who just mur who murder you and take all your stuff. And it was very clever because they would teleport you out to, you know, out of town where it's right. not safe. Uh, so 
the first reaction that some people had was like, these jerks, right? They're, they're <laughs> these, these exploiters. And I'm like, and my reaction was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. <laughs> How like, did someone think of that? <laughs> like, like the, you know, this is, this is, we created this simulation and they figured out a great way to like sort of use the simulation. Like this is awesome. Right. I mean, we fixed the issue where like you, so you have to like agree to, I think the, it's a little gump that pops up. Yeah. Yeah. It says, yes. Do you want to go through the gate or not? Right. And it's like, yeah. So, I mean, so, but to me, that was like, it was just such a brilliant, you know, it wasn't even really an exploit because that's how the game mechanic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and, uh, yeah, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. And so I I just love that story of the bank robbers and like, you know, you think you're going to, you're, safe and sound at the bank. And then the next thing you know, you're standing in the middle of a pile of naked bodies. Yeah. And at the end, and it's funny when I was talking to Chopper, you know, he, cause he ran this, you know, I would say exploit website. And he said at the end, at the height of it, you know, and towards the end, he had over 30,000 people registered on the site, you know, and you just, and, and it's probably interesting for you to hear that, but yeah, there was definitely a community of people that, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, like heavy things like duping gold or something crazy, but no, there was all sorts of little tiny things like, you know, how to get, you know, an extra, I don't know, five swings on the tree to get extra, you know, wood, right. Or another (laughs) swing to get extra ore from the mountains, right. People really wanted to take any edge they could (laughs) off some of the mundane stuff. Um, but that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. That, that story. And, it holds true, you know, I think even even today because, you know, we've experienced it on the free shards where now it's like people are really playing the the uh, the social side of it more than bugs. Because not to say bugs don't exist, but, you know, you'll have people who will join a guild for like a month and be a cool person. And then all of a sudden they'll just turn on you, attack everyone who's, you know, gilded in town, loot them, you know, or crazy stuff like that, right? Um that I think is very different than, you know, back when, you know, <laughs> I think you were, you know, involved in it, but, uh, but okay. We went through that. Um, okay. Moving on here. Did you, oh yeah, this, I really wanted to ask you this. Did you know any, and you may not be able to name him, but were there any famous people that you knew that played you well? Um, well, uh, Felicia Day played UO. Really? Uh, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, and um, uh, who else? Because um, uh, there had to be, right? I mean, yeah. the game had millions of people. Right? <laughs> uh, Duncan Jones, who is uh, David Bowie's son, he played... Wow. Uh, pretty, pretty regularly. In fact, he played regularly until World of Warcraft came out, and then he became wow. a World of Warcraft junkie. But I know he played a lot. Uh, in fact, enough that uh, David Bowie mentioned Ultima Online in an interview. So, really? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's really fascinating. Yeah, so those are probably the two that I know of. I'm sure there's other famous people. Uh, oh, well, uh, Shooter Jennings who's Waylon Jennings' son. I know yeah. he played tons, and he and I are friends now. Uh, wow, that's really cool. Uh, um, 
So those are the three I got. Felicia Day, Duncan Jones, who's David Bowie's son, and Shooter Jennings. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, I just never, I've always wanted to ask that because I'm like, there's got to be, you know, (laughs) people that have played. Um, Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and going into this is another kind of just, you know, fun one. Um, But, you know, given, you know, who you are today, what, what games do you play on your computer now? You know, besides the games, let's say you're working on, right? Like for fun uh let's see so recent games i have played uh so i still try to play actively um so uh, i i have a a 10 year old daughter and we uh she plays minecraft a lot and so i play a little bit of minecraft with her but mostly she plays minecraft with her friends but yeah she gets me to play minecraft with her um which by the way an incredible game oh yeah about a level of simulation i mean (laughs) yeah um uh, and and proves that graphics aren't everything like Ultima Online. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, let's see, just uh, la- last month finished Ghost of Tsushima, which wow, okay, yeah, a incredible game. Like just um, and also uh, in- interesting uh, about like talking about the player types. What I what I most loved about the game is it had this. Uh, purposeful sort of yin yang to it where you go from like hyper violence uh you know like this these you know samurai duels like where you quick draw your samurai sword and like chop off somebody's armor head right. and then you have to like i mean then like a, you know a few minutes later you're like writing a haiku like, <laughs> yeah. like i mean i just love i mean it was just like oh my god this is perfect like it's like it's like the perfect yin yang uh, right and um I also serve, uh, I'm in the Academy of Interactive Arts and Science. And so I have to review, I'm on the panel selection committees for online games and for role-playing games. Oh, wow. Imagine that. (laughs) Uh, And so I have to review a lot of games every year. So you're back Uh, to your roots is what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm, (laughs) so uh, I'll give you a list of all the, so I'm reviewing a ton of games right now playing like uh uh persona 5 tokyo mirage uh xenoblade uh uh wow shadowlands uh coffee talk um cyberpunk 2770 but which i don't didn't want to play right now i purpose like i'm actually one of those people who i don't like playing games when they come out yeah um I usually wait like uh, a couple patch months. cycles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, for the patch cycles. Um, yeah. uh, so, I, so I really didn't want to play cyberpunk right now, but it's, it's now it's, are you though reviewing these games or like, what do you mean by reviewing? Like you're just playing through them or what? Uh, I, I play well, cause I have to, I, I have to do like 12 games per panel. So uh-huh. um, I, I just play them for, uh, an hour or two, um, and then then we then we have a panel selection meeting where we discuss them and we talk about like, and then we vote on do they go into the final grouping for voting by the academy. Okay, I got you. Yep. Um, okay. For the games of the year and their categories. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, and then another another I think really fun one. Now you know, okay, I'm star long, right, and I'm. I'm sitting yeah. on a boring conference call and I, you know, have my phone in my hand. 
What what games am I playing on my phone? Uh, you know, I haven't played games on my phone in a long time. Um, I, 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 though I still have, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the plague incorporated. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I still love that game. Uh, that's <laughs> probably, uh, and, uh, and Hearthstone, the so Hearthstone and plague incorporated. Oh, and then I had this awesome two player game. Uh, it's called slice. Okay, I've heard of that one. Uh, where you ha- there are these razor blades that you have to like separate and then press a button, and then if and and if you don't separate them properly, they they slice and blood sprays everywhere. <laughs> nice. And, and it's it's a great bar game because you put your phone down on the bar and then then uh, actually it's a mul- it's more than two people. I mean, as many people as you can do it, and then right. And then everyone has to work to like pull the razor blades away from the button. Uh, (laughs) uh, And it makes it has great sound effects too. Like when the razor blade slice through your finger and the blood sprays, it sounds really awesome. Oh, Um, okay. So you brought up something and and I apologize. I'm trying to wrap up, but you brought up something that uh, I have to ask you. Okay. I'm telling you, I swear. And people probably know what I'm talking about. I swear I have heard the UO sounds in like TV shows and movies you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like the chicken noise or the horse <laughs> sound. Am I going crazy or how did you guys get these sounds? Uh, well, I mean, a horse and a chicken sound like a horse and chicken. <laughs> sure they're not our sounds. Um, yeah. uh, we, we had, uh, so Origin uh, Systems had a, a really awesome sound department. We had our own sound studio. Um, and okay. in fact, we... Uh, I mean, we were some of the very first games to have sound in them. Yeah. And in fact, I remember, I remember getting customer service calls where, like, I would get a customer who would be like, um, "I'm not hearing. You know, I bought your sound because we would sell the sound pack separately. Because, by the way, it was so unusual to have sound in a computer game that we sold the sound pack separately. Wow. The mu- like the music and voice pack separately. Yeah. Um, and so. I remember getting uh, a call, I, I get multiple calls like this where like, I'm not hearing any sound and it's like, okay, well, uh, do you have a, do you have a sound card in your, <laughs> yeah. like, no, I don't have a sound card. So that was one. Another one was like, uh, I'm not hearing any sound. It was like, okay, well, do you, do you have speakers for your computer? Like, oh yeah. And I'm like, right, well, okay, are they plugged in? He's like, you have to plug them in. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, no, uh, and I've always been like just enamored by the, the not, you know, obviously the music's iconic because, you know, I've played it growing up, sure. But just the sound effects themselves, again, I just, I think they're so like just well done, simple, and it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah, it really ties the game. And now I will say though, in 2020, I do turn off the music because I'm kind of past the <laughs> nostalgia, you know, stage yeah, of it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I still have to play with sound. Like I, I, I do um, need to play with it because I just I love the sound effects and stuff like that. They just they really you know make sense to me. Now, um, in kind of wrapping up here, um, have have you ever played like a free shard before? Like or tried out UO in twenty twenty? Uh, we uh, Richard and I have done a couple of events on some of the free shards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And 
And we're, what, you know, one of the things, and I don't know if you had a chance, cause I, I kind of told you late and I'm sorry, but, um, I don't know if you've ever tried classic UO, it's a new client, I would say the modern, um, client, but I would be interested to see what you would think of it because it kind of brings, well, this is my personal opinion. I think it brings UO into 2020 in a big way, um, in terms of like just sheer scaling on the screen um, and some of the quality of life, <laughs> I would say, um, changes. Um, so, and I don't think, did you have a chance to just even look at that, what that guy had going on? I, I did not. I, I looked at the first thing, which was the legacy, but I did not look at the classic thing yet. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll jump and the final thing we'll talk about. And, and you just brought it up is, yeah, kind of the, the new legacy announcement. You know, do you have any, you know, thoughts on, on kind of, because I know the details have been a bit, you know, sparse, I would say, but what is your kind of take on it? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's a really uh, exciting idea. I mean, I, well, first of all, I mean, I, the fact that there's still active development going on, <laughs> I mean, like, that's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's like, so, and uh, I I think, well, and there's another shard. I mean, like, like the fact that they created another shard, I mean, that's fantastic. Um, right. And so I, I think it's a really, it's a cool idea. Um, uh, I, I'm excited to see where they take it. I mean, I, I like, you know, the when the guys over at Crowfile proposed the you know when they sort of announced the ideas that they were going to be like having the idea of seasons and Fortnite does that too right where yeah. there's like this idea where things live for a time and then they go away and there's a cycle to it I, I think it's an interesting concept and I'm excited to see how that plays out in UO um, I would love you know my my request and shout out is uh because you know one of the one of the issues that UO has had forever is the there people as the population has changed over time and people have their houses on different shards what i was hoping that i was going to see when i looked at that was a a shard as one shard and then everybody could move their houses to this other shard yeah oh yeah i know that's been a very common i think you know I want to say, I guess, request, but yeah, that, that's been a common one. Um, and I, and I, I'll say this as, you know, someone who plays private shards, I'm, I'm accustomed to any publicity for UO I'm in, right? Yeah. Like no yeah. matter what yeah. it is, you know, great. If there's more exposure, if there's more people like great, I, I would say my personal take on new legacy is I'm interested, but I'm apprehensive. <laughs> That's my uh, take. Why, why are you apprehensive? Um, I would say I just haven't seen much from, like I would say the that UO team, right? That I just I'm not. I don't want to get my hopes up, if that's fair to say. Where I'm like, man, I'm really pumped because I do think a seasonal anything is good because it keeps people coming back and they're thirsty for okay, I want to run this again, or there's a new event, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see the execution part of it. Um, because I think the idea is great, but you know, what the final product is, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm interested, but, um, I think, and, and I'm sure we're gonna have a follow-up conversation because I feel like we barely, you know, scratch the surface, but seeing some of the 
stuff that private people <laughs> have done to the UO client, it, it literally has like when I came back four months ago to start playing private shards and I tried this client out, I was like, are you kidding me? This is like, I just, I guess I never could have fathomed like UO being what it is now. Um, so I'm, I'm interested I mean, just to say that I'm interested, you know, I'll see. Is it enough to get me back? I don't know for the OSI model, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, that's a good answer. Yeah, no, but okay. Um, sincerely, thank you for uh, joining me and going down all the, uh, the rabbit holes. <laughs> that yeah, I think we went. My pleasure. Um, and I, I, I definitely think we'll probably be chatting in the future again, because this was just uh, an absolute blast. Um, uh, but thank you. Is there anything you wanted to say to listeners or anyone out there about UO? Uh, well, thank you for playing and thank you for supporting it and keeping it alive for 30, almost 30 years now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm so proud to have been involved and thank you for being such an amazing community. Uh, yeah. Warms my heart. No, I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much again.